Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you. Our lines are open on 0818 103 103. If there's something you want to raise in the show, Bernie taking those calls right now. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can email across the programme, corktoday at c103.ie. And ahead on this morning's programme, Mill Street welcomes Ukrainian refugees. A number arrived yesterday evening to the town of Mill Street and to the Green Glens Arena. Of course, Mill Street itself, no stranger to refugees over the years a number located within Dershan so uh, this is another opportunity for Mill Street and they are at the moment within the Green Glens many have come here from war areas which have been affected in Ukraine uh, some of those people that are arriving here have been in the, in the height of the areas affected by war in Ukraine and they have fled for safety and it's in the Green Glens they will be, we're going to hear later from Mill Street Community Council about the accommodation levels there uh, about what where they will be how they will access food uh, will they be able to work we'll find out more later uh, we'll be speaking with Noel Buckley from Mill Street Community Council but I know the community there at the moment even I've seen uh, pictures of fl- Ukrainian flags and uh, big welcome signs as they approached and landed in Mill Street last night so we'll discuss that on the show this morning uh, and more actually in a while because it seems that people people who were offering their homes to those fleeing war. Uh, a lot of people now have changed their decision on that. So we'll get to that shortly. Also ahead on the programme, delays uh, of late at Dublin Airport. Many of you would have been uh, familiar with the queues and the pictures we saw online and indeed on TV news. Well, is it now time to divert flights away from Dublin and to the regions? We're going to speak with one Cork senator who feels this could work by making Cork Airport and viable alternative to Dublin. Senator Jerry Buttermer will join us on the programme this morning to discuss that. And potholes, they're causing a major problem for Irish motorists and it's seemingly over the last number, uh, the last year anyhow, they have increased on our roads, uh, tyres being destroyed, wheel rims being damaged as a result they're so severe and it's everywhere many people when we discuss this think it's only in rural roads or minor roads no it's going from main roadways 
Again, yeah, rural roads, but also to city suburbs. Well, the AA have done a survey on this uh, and they have found out what exactly motorists feel. We'll discuss that. But are you noticing this no matter where you drive? Not only in rural areas, but in the roads you drive. Are you, like Ken was saying earlier on The Breakfast Show, swerving to avoid a pothole on a minor road? But is this happening as well on major roadways and indeed in towns, uh, villages and cities? Your views are welcome on that. If you uh, have a stories to tell or indeed you're aware of a road that is in bad condition. I mean we're all aware of uh, certain towns that are, are having problems uh, with road surfaces. For Moy, we spoke about a few weeks ago on the programme, their main street in Moy, uh, with road surface crumbling uh, is how one listener put it and potholes there. Also in Bandon, many areas of Bandon which the roads have been resurfaced but again due to the level of traffic uh, the roads breaks up again. I'm not too sure if it's to do with the way they are, whatever they're using for the road resurfacing or not, but the roads are are breaking up and the road surface is falling apart and that's leading to potholes and leading to motorists having their tyres damaged and then that has a knock-on effect because the car is damaged, there's money to be paid out. So your views are welcome on that and our road conditions and our road surfaces more so across Cork City and County. And we're going to discuss why dog DNA samples should be taken from every dog in the country to stop sheep attacks. It's following a number of attacks over the last number of weeks and I don't know it seems to be more and more of these attacks if they're on the rise it does seem like they're on the increase over the last year or two well the ICSA is calling for stricter regulations now and for the enforcement of existing laws we'll be discussing that with the ICSA this morning on the programme also ahead our garter file and pet advice from Jane if you have a question for uh, a pet in your house for Jane you can get those into us across the morning our lines are now open Bernie taking those calls 0818 103103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 I just want to mention yesterday evening a lovely evening was held within County Hall uh, on the Cargahan Street and this was for the Cork County Mayor's Community Awards for 2022 and of course uh, this year the Cork County Mayor is Councillor Gillian Coughlin from Bandon and last night an event was held to appreciate everybody who works in the community those that were nominated are volunteers who work in various groups in the communities, new groups groups such as Tidy Towns and those who help others within their local communities all are volunteers, all give up their time freely. So a number across the various divisions of Cork, North Cork, West Cork and South Cork they were all uh, receiving awards last night and there was winners from East Divisions as well and there was two overall award winners that we have to give a mention to this morning uh, Noreen Minahan from Clonakilty Noreen anybody in West Cork will know of Noreen she's involved in a lot of activities within Clonakilty and she was responsible for the setting up of so many organisations and indeed festivals uh, across Clon and many would say she put Clonakilty on the map with the festivals that she created and worked on over the years so a big well done to Noreen Minahan she was the overall winner for the individuals and then the group winner as the overall was Passage West Creek Eights. And we spoke to this group uh, a number of years ago on programme. Uh, they started off as a not-for-profit group and they started off in 2018 uh, to showcase the crafters in the Cork Harbour area and beyond. And what started off through social media, uh, they set up a pop-up shop one Christmas and then that expanded and became uh, more of a pop-up shop to something that would be a regular in the area. And now it's giving uh, a showcasing, I suppose, the local crafters in not only the Cork Harbour 
area but across Cork you can use this shop uh, which opened again uh, across Easter in 2019 and now as I say reopens uh, on a regular basis but it's showcasing locals who may not have got a chance before to showcase their work so well done to Passage West Create who won uh, the overall in the group award last night at the Cork County Mayor's Community Awards for 2022 held at County Hall yesterday evening and uh, beautiful lovely events uh, really good to recognise those who work as volunteers across our community and great to meet everybody who attended there last night uh, a, a huge um, crowd attended so great to see everybody and uh, great to hear the stories of what people are doing for their local communities uh, but as I mentioned there earlier regarding Mill Street and we will be hearing from Mill Street later in the show as Ukrainian refugees are now within the Green Glint arena it seems that more than 1,000 people have withdrawn their initial offer of accommodation for Ukrainian refugees this is a report this morning within the Irish Examiner a memo that went to Cabinet yesterday uh, it has been seen by the Examiner and details of the significant burden that the influx of Ukrainian refugees will have on housing and indeed public expenditure because it seems now with more than 16,000 refugees seeking accommodation uh, they were hoping that those who were pledging accommodation would assist with this but uh, they're saying that about 17,000 emails Uh, These were sent out to those who pledged accommodation, asking them to confirm their offer. There was positive responses received from about 5,000 people, but 1,000 people have withdrawn their offer and they withdrew their offer uh, after maybe for one reason or another at the time they wanted to help out and now they feel maybe they're not in a position to help out. Uh, So that now is going to have a knock-on effect for the government as they continue to look for accommodation for those who flee war in Ukraine. Uh, They reckon the peak arrival numbers for those seeking accommodation, uh, it's forecasted to be around 400 a day with 29,000 to 33,000 people seeking accommodation by the end of May in this country. Now, uh, more community halls, it seems, are going to be made available here in the Cork area. And I know the Green Glens will probably see uh, more refugees arriving there. But you would wonder, when they're mentioned as a temporary measure, where then the refugees go if there is no housing available for them and then if they are going to remain in those community halls is that going to have a knock-on impact then for services for those locally which in turn then will have a reduction in services for those who are fleeing war Uh, so I'm not too sure how all this will pan out but we'll have to wait and see Uh, I mean if there is accommodation problems as we know there is in this country how are those fleeing war going to be accommodated as well Uh, and they can't be staying in community centres or or set up uh, temporary setups forever so we'll have to wait and see what the outcome is on all of this your views are welcome 0818103103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 and something else we spoke about earlier in the week and this is how employees uh, will now be able to work flexible hours and be able to take five days off to care for their child or indeed a relative. Well, now it seems employees will also be able to take legal cases against their employer if their employer refuses a request for reduced or more flexible working hours. And this is all under the proposed work-life balance laws, which we spoke about earlier in the week. The work-life balance bill, and this is from the Children's Minister, Roderick 
Gorman, it's going to give employees the right in the future to go to the Workplace Relations Commission to challenge the decision of their employer to reject their request for reduced or indeed flexible hours. And this does include, as I mentioned, to take care of your child or children or indeed to look after relatives. So an extra uh, extra addition there to that uh, bill, which employers might not be too happy, but I'm sure employees will be happy when it comes to work-life balance. And we've all, well, not all, but most of us, I'm sure, have done our driving test. If you haven't done it yet, I'm sure if you want to learn to drive, you will do it soon. Uh, But for many, you'd either get it the first time or the second time. Well, it seems now from surveys out from both uh, the Road Safety Authority and an insurance company, uh, the first week of the year is the luckiest time to do your driving test. The new figures uh, show that most learner drivers get their licence in January, but records for the last year from the Road Safety Authority show that February is also a lucky time for learner drivers. But good news up in the coming few weeks because Chill Insurance have also done a survey and have looked in more detail at the RSA's stats on pass rates and they found from June the 6th to the 12th so after the bank holiday weekend more or less that's a good time to sit your driving test as is after the August bank holiday weekend around that time after the around the 8th to the 14th of August there also is a high success rate now I'm not too sure why that is is it that just is it luck is it the fact that maybe the tester is in good mood he's uh, had a nice weekend he's relaxed and back to work now you could think that could be the opposite because if you're after three days off and you're going back to work you might not be looking forward to it but then maybe uh, the good weekend uh, has the tester in a good mood I'm not too sure the reason why those dates are picked but the records show you pass your tests uh, on <laughs> on those dates after the weekend uh, your views are welcome and you remember your driving tests uh, did you get a first time second time third time and was it around those times in June uh, August or indeed was it January or February did you Pass. Interesting to know uh, if those all those stats add up, but they must do because they're from the Road Safety Authority, so they have to be legit. And it's children which have just gone into them deeper to see uh, and find out what are the pass rates for the rest of the year outside the start of the year. I remember my own, and the first time I did the driving test was in Skibbereen. Uh, because in West Cork where I'm from that's where the majority of people would, would do with Skibbereen is the base and the same day there was an agricultural show on and we were going down one of the streets in Skib and there was this trailer and van or jeep par- double parked but everybody had to drive in the footpath and obviously that's a no-no for the test and I wasn't used to driving up from footpaths I was really just learning to drive but I had to because if you didn't there was nowhere to go it was one of those those narrow streets and eventually we came off the footpath with a bit of a bang and we had to go around some other street and there was something else in that street because it was just a busy day and I just knew at this stage I was failing because everything that was going to be put in front of you was was there you know everything you don't want to see in a driving test day landed on top of me so didn't pass in Skibbereen and then at this stage I had moved to the city uh, to do the second time round and I was thinking I'm not going to pass here because it, it was in Sarsfield Road if anybody has done the test in the city uh, you know the Sarsfield Road Centre and they bring you down around the lock and I was only after moving to the city and I don't know was I just out of college and you know if you're in college you only know one area of the city it's the city centre and you're walking out Western Road you're walking on Washington Street you're, you're, you're on those areas uh, more so on bus routes uh, but this route was bringing me out around the lock and around Wilton and Choker and I did not know those areas whatsoever I know them now very well because I lived in Wilton uh, when I was in college and, and my first job in insurance 
so I, I knew I got to know the area very well and, and drove around no problem but for my first time doing a driving test and with the driving instructor before I actually got the test itself driving in these areas I was going not a hope am I going to pass here I don't know the area I don't know the roads if he says go left I'll go left but I don't know where the hell I'm going to end up and I did the test and I ended up in the south of Link uh, which was all very new to me and around I think it was the start of the roundabout he brought me at one stage as well anyway I passed in the city which I didn't think I would I thought I'd be more comfortable in Skibbereen which I knew uh, far better than those areas in the city but I'd love to hear your stories at court. and actually the stat would be right I did mine on the Saturday of the August bank holiday weekend uh, because I was working part time here at the radio station and I left the test centre went back to the house I was we were renting in Wilton and then uh, drove down the road after I my tour off my L signs and into our studio in Bandon to work on that Saturday afternoon so uh it was the Saturday of the August by holiday weekend which would make the stats here correct so your stories were you lucky was it a June August bank holiday weekend or a January you passed your driving test let us know your stories uh, always uh, fun stories when it comes to people on the uh, driving test and how you fared uh, I wonder if we all had to go back and do it again how we would fare now with all the bad habits we have picked up on the roads over the last while uh, your views are welcome 0818 103 103 or you can call Bernie on that number you can always text or indeed WhatsApp on on 0862-103-103. It's Cork Today. Until one, our lines are open. Your views are welcome. 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And can I say good morning to both Anne and Mary who were tuned in. And they want to know if anybody out there, they say, can tell us where we can purchase dairy-free chocolate. Uh, is there any shop in the Mallow area or indeed anywhere uh, that would sell uh, dairy-free chocolate? Anne and Mary looking for that. If anybody has any details of where you can buy uh, dairy-free chocolate. Let us know. We'll pass it on on uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But coming up with delays we've seen at late uh, at Dublin Airport, is it now time to divert flights away from Dublin and divert them to the regions? Well, one Cork senator feels that Cork Airport would be a viable alternative to Dublin. We'll discuss that. Your views are welcome. And indeed, would it work? Uh, senator Jerry Bottomer joins us next. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. A government investment of over €5 million Euro has been welcomed by Cork Airport, but one Cork senator is showing the importance of regional airports, such as Cork, given the long delays seen by many at Dublin Airport in the last number of weeks. Senator Jerry Buttermer joins me. Good morning to you, Jerry. Good morning, John Paul, and happy Easter to all your listeners and to you and all the crew and and many happy Easter to you as well and thanks for joining us. I mean, do you feel at this time that for airlines and indeed the aviation policy of this country, do they need to look at airports and our regional airports and not having hundreds of passengers all going to one location in Dublin? Well, we actually do, John Paul. And I have in the Shannon two weeks ago and yesterday called for an aviation recovery um, task force um, to look at the future of aviation policy. <clears throat> and what I have in mind is three things. One is that, as you just said, we, we have enormous delays now in Dublin Airport through a confluence of events. And as a member of the Transport Committee, we visited Dublin Airport and there's a, a, a number of events happening. One is there's pent-up demand. Secondly, despite what people will tell you, nobody uh, foresaw the actual growth uh, in passenger numbers. And then thirdly, there's an issue of hiring staff uh, and of contracts, and that's a separate matter for DAA. And then part of that is what I think is the is the skewing uh, of 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 travel 
through Dublin Airport. And, and I suppose in one sense, John Paul, some of us who are anoraks in the aviation sector recognise that Dublin is like Amsterdam or Paris or New York in terms of aviation, whereas Cork would not be. But but we can be funneling traffic through Cork uh, and, and there needs to be a rebalancing of that by, by policy through the Department of Transport, through the airlines, um, and 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 with IATA, the International Air Travel Association, uh, in 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 looking at how we can take Cork as an example, where you now have forty routes served by eight air, air, air airlines, which will serve two million passengers, uh, back to I think it's eighty percent of where it was pre-pandemic, which was I think it was two million in twenty twenty in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. It's eighty percent of that now. So there's a recovery, um, and. What I'm arguing and advocating is in a difficult market, we should be looking at, with, and I'm also including, and I should include our tourism sector, in the promotion of Cork, in our case, as, as a place to come. We've seen what we've done with the, with the, with the, with the uh, cruise liners and with the, in Cove and in other parts of, the, uh, of Ireland where you can diversify. And similarly with Cork Airport, which is a very good airport. It's a very, it operates the highest of standards. Uh, but as I said, like, and then the other part, John Paul, sorry, and I know I'm rambling a bit, but is that government gave money for route development as part of COVID recovery to the airlines. And to be fair, we criticise Ryanair, but they should be given credit because they, they took the initiative. They now have the largest summer schedule ever at Cork Airport with 25 routes. And that's a credit to Ryanair and to the staff and to the marketing of Cork Airport. Whereas Aer Lingus, and I don't want to create a role in your programme, but actually maybe I should, is becoming like Air Dublin as opposed to Air Lingus. Um, and, and, and they've cut routes from Cork, they've cut number of airlines or a number of aircraft out of Cork um, and at a time when they should be investing. And I know that their regional uh, Stobart has gone, but Emerald is taking over. And I would appeal through your radio programme to Air Lingus and to Emerald to commence and to recommence popular destinations, you know, to Alicante, to Lisbon, to Amsterdam, or to uh, Barcelona, out of Cork, to give us more choice. Because the people who are travelling to Dublin Airport, if you're travelling from the south of the country, so if you're in Kerry, Cork, Limerick or, or Waterford, they would all prefer to be flying out of Cork Airport, especially for us here in Cork. It's far more convenient than trying to travel to Dublin and pay for parking and then get on a flight and then you know you get back from your holiday or your work trip and then you're driving back down the motorway again. So you, nothing is finished when you land in the airport. You have another two and a half hours to go. Uh, so it is, it is really up to the airlines. So if, if Ryanair can do it and you're saying you're Lingus are, are, are not putting enough flights there even though you would think demand would be there given so many people are wanting to fly out I mean you, you can rectify that by by how Jerry I mean how can you get Aer Lingus to come back to Cork if they well, I mean they're British owned now aren't they it's, it's, it's the same company well, as well, British Airways isn't it B? It, it, yes they're, they're part of the, that group um, like for, for, for example I, I suppose I, I would make the point that we've given you know route development money mm. But obviously it hasn't worked for them that they, they had no interest if they haven't come back to Cork. And big well, companies like that, you know, whatever money you give them, if they're so large, money sometimes isn't an object. No, and, and I think part of our difficulty is, is, is marketing as well, John Paul. Mm. And I mean, if you look at, you know, people say there's no flights out of Cork Airport. We've 40 flights out of, with airline, eight, eight airlines which will serve two point something million passengers this year. Uh, so what I'm saying is you, you take, you draw a line from Cork to Port Leash. And, and come around and, and, and then do a, do a, a, a circumference of that. There's no reason why people in Port Leash 
down and be leaks shouldn't be travelling to Cork or, or Turles or, or the Midwest in terms of, not the Midwest so much because it's Shannon, mm. but, you know, Turles, you know, Tipperary, Cashel, all the, that heartland of, of, of up, up along towards Leash, you know, shouldn't be travelling to Cork and using Cork Airport because we do have, we do have offerings. Now, and, and again, I accept that Dublin Airport is the cash cow in terms of its ability. It's the gateway in for long-haul operators. Uh, Dublin is the first point of call where they get it. They're towing the market. Um, and, and it does raise significant revenue uh, for, for the the aviation sector and for Dublin Airport Authority. But, but I would make the point to you that we, we, we should be able to exist in a different strata to Dublin without competing, but we to, to, to grow passenger numbers. And I, and I accept that passenger numbers have grown beyond expectations. But, but for me, government have given a package of incentives, offered to airlines, incentives to invest in, in flight development and, and route development and flights. And Aer Lingus haven't, in my opinion, done that in Cork. And what uh, about the situation? We, we put this, and a number of reporters put this to the DAA and Dublin Airport, and they have come back by saying that they don't compete with either Cork or Shannon, and that any suggestions to move flights to regional airports, that it simply won't work. And, and I accept the, the premise of that argument, and in fairness to Dublin Airport Authority, and I should pay tribute to their Chief Executive, Dalton Phillips, who works hand in glove. Uh, with, 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 with Cork Airport um, and, 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 you know, in Cork, um, we have a very strong management team that have developed routes um, under the leadership of, of, of Brian McCarthy. Um, and and, and, and it, it is an important one that we should develop. But what, what I'm asking for here is a very simple process that there is an ability to recalibrate how people come into the country in terms of flights and in terms of routes. Uh, and, and it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that the first tour in the market could be a short haul of flights with Aer Lingus to Emerald into Cork and then on to other parts of the country. Um, you know, that isn't that isn't beyond the bounds of probability. We have given route development money. Government have, have an aviation policy. Uh, and, and I'm saying to you this morning and to listeners that Cork Airport is recovering. Dublin Airport <laughs> in Dublin. And in fairness, they, they've overcome some of the difficulties and there's been a very difficult you know, issue in terms of enhanced checking and, and recruitment challenges and the whole issue of guard vetting uh, of staff. But, but for me, it, it is about ensuring. That, and that, you that, mentioned there, Jerry, about the route recovery. Uh, could that route recovery be used for long-haul flights from Cork Airport? Because a number of people on text are making the point that the main reason they go to Dublin is to fly uh, long-haul. That could be to Australia or different parts of America. Uh, with the route investment and the investment that has been given to Cork Airport over the last while from the government, and they've done big work in Cork Airport on their runway, could long-haul be an option? Passive, no, we just yep. don't see why we can't do it again. And I, I, I would hope, I, I, I'm not privy to their information, but I would hope that the that Cork Airport and Dublin Airport Authority are looking at different routes, route development with Cork um, in terms of short haul and long haul. And I would hope that that, that is part of it. The capacity is there for us. Um, we do have a need, to, and I, as I said, to, to, to be flexible in terms of how we can, how we can enhance the offering to passengers. And airlines will argue that it's about bums and seats, it's about sailor seats. Yes, but the passenger experience in Cork is first class in terms of, you know, parking, in terms of check-in, in terms of, of, of the whole, 
you know. Oh yeah, and that's why people would rather fly and stay in Cork and fly out of Cork than going to Dublin. So it was the more routes that do come to Cork and if long haul is available, it would keep people in Cork rather than going to Dublin. I mean, the big thing here on Texas from people, the only reason they're going to Dublin is because they are flying longer journeys now and the likes of Australia and those, you can get direct flights from Dublin uh, to maybe Dubai or, or those areas without, you know, that would shorten your journey if you're going to Australia and also uh, other parts of America like San Francisco and etc. are being mentioned here. Yeah, and, and, and that, is, that is a very, you know, good point that, that needs to be made in terms of perhaps the re- return of the Cork Dublin flight as an example. Mm-hmm. If that's an option, I know the road and the motorway is, is an easier option now for people, but given the cost of diesel, petrol, the whole issue of traffic in and around Dublin, the issue of parking, I, I, I've, I've always been an advocate of the Cork Dublin flight. I know there's an economies of scale being debated about that, but I still think that if we had a Cork Dublin flight, it, it, it would be supported, in my opinion. I know others will argue otherwise. Um, and, and But, you know, Cork Airport is easy to travel in out of. Its passenger experience is first-hand. We, we, we need to enhance our connectivity. And I would, I'm calling on airlines in particular and, and government and the DEA to look at how we can support, uh, you know, and have a conversation around changing uh, routes in and out of Cork Airport. Yeah, and changing the mindset, I, I suppose, mainly of the airlines. Uh, for the moment, Jerry, uh, we'll leave it there. We'll wait and see what happens. Uh, but thanks for joining us this morning Thank on the programme. Thank you. Thank that you is know. Senator Jerry Bottomer. Uh, and is he correct? Do you feel that if the airlines and more airlines did choose Cork Airport, that then people who are just going to Dublin because they have to fly a certain route would rather fly out of Cork? I think the majority of people, even on text and WhatsApp here, uh, we all would agree we would rather fly out of Cork Airport. It's on our doorstep rather than travelling to Dublin. If the only reason people are going to Dublin is because the routes are not available in Cork. That is the only reason. Uh, and people, everybody here in Texas saying they would rather stay and fly out of Cork Airport. But one person here uh, says, John Paul, a lot, prob- a lot of the problem uh, with Cork Airport is they don't put flights up until three months in advance. I tried booking flights to Paris in November and I can't do it from Cork for another couple of months. But if I look at Dublin Airport, I can do it no bother. So that's another issue in relation to booking flights on text to 0862 103 103. You can call Bernie on 0818 103 103. Now from the air to the road, potholes, are they causing a major problem for you? They're on increase over the last number of months it seems anyhow on research done by the AA and we'll chat with them next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 It seems potholes are still causing a major problem for motorists. This comes from the latest survey of AA Ireland. Anna Cullen of the AA joins me this morning. Good morning to you Anna. Good morning. And we've seen by your report in your survey that 16% of respondents stated their car was damaged due to a pothole, with many others saying poor road surfaces led to other issues. And it doesn't really make a difference in where you're driving. It can be a minor road, a rural road, or in a city suburb. They're popping up everywhere within the last few months, it would seem. They are, yeah. This is a national survey that we carried out of over 5,000 motorists. Um, They said the tyre damage was the most likely fallout of a run-in with a poorly maintained road. But as you said, it can be any road. But I have noticed that I live in rural Tipperary and, you know, the national roads around me are, are fine and, and the motorway as well. It's when you come off the motorway and you head on to, you know, the regional roads or the local roads, that's where the issue really comes to play for, for myself anyway. And I know most people across the country would prob- probably agree with that. So... And then you head into the issue, you know, not only would you get a puncture, a lot of people reported in the survey that more damage had been 
because, you know, 35% stated that the wheel rim had been damaged, 23% said they damaged the steering alignment, 17% damaged the shock absorption system. So, you know, if you're paying for a puncture, that might cost you 100 euro, maybe more. But if you're heading into that sort of damage, which I just mentioned, that can that can be quite expensive. That could head into, you know, 1,000 euro or, or maybe more. So overall, it it is an issue. And Cork actually was the second highest uh, county. You know, the majority of respondents, 12%, were actually in Cork. So that was the second highest. And we also asked our AA patrol team, you know, how many call-outs they've attended. They attended over 37,500 call-outs just related to tyre-related issues. And Cork, again, was the second county in that list. So it's definitely an issue across your county anyway as well. Oh, yeah, it is big time. And we've uh, a number of calls and texts from people who are saying they're swerving potholes. And as you mentioned, it is more regional and minor roads, but also in city suburbs. I mean, I would live in the Mayfield Silver Springs area of the city on the north side. And way like for the churches, and many people would be familiar with the churches in Mayfield. It's a very busy road. But there, there's, there's potholes on that stretch of the North Ring Road, which many would say, you know, it's in the city. There shouldn't be. There, there's potholes there and you, you will, and they're deep. They're not, you know, small kind of potholes that won't cause damage. They will cause damage and then if you're travelling in rural roads across North Cork or West Cork you'll see them they're quite evident and the cost of running a car is increasing so this is increasing the cost for motorists if you're paying for you know your wheel to be repaired the rim of your wheel and then the NCT I mean this is very frustrating for people who might have got their car serviced Anna they go along to the NCT they obviously drive there and they hit a pothole en route and a light fixture can come loose or something else can happen and it can lead to them having to resit the NCT yeah, I mean, it's it's very annoying. And even, you know, if you hit a pothole, that's where, where um, you know, tyre pressure and tyre depth and all that, the tread depth and all that comes into play. But as you said, it is really frustrating if you have your car services in good condition and you come across one of these potholes and it's through no fault of your own. And especially on um, some roads, they're, they're completely unavoidable. You know, if, if you're on a narrow road and you meet a car, you can't avoid it. And it just in, it's in certain spots of the road where you simply can't. And that's where the damage is caused. And just to keep damage to a minimum, I suppose, if you if you really can't avoid it, avoid it, just slow down. You know, that's the main thing, because if you do hit the pothole at speed, that will actually increase the chance of damage to your tyres, your wheels, etc. And hold the steering wheel firmly as well because if you hit a pothole, you have a great chance of losing control, which is very dangerous. And don't brake as well when you're directly over a pothole because that actually causes the car's weight to shift to the front of the wheel and that can actually increase damage from the impact. And also a big thing as well, it has cost me and um, out on numerous occasions, uh, just be wary of potholes filled with water because we had a good bit of rain um, last weekend and early on in the week and they might be deeper than they look. So just be really wary of that as well. Um, And then, you know, ways to identify pothole damage. You'll notice that the front end of your vehicle dips when you brake or you can feel your vehicle roll or sway while you turn. And then when you accelerate as well, the rear of the vehicle squats and then on rougher kind of winding roads, which is where I would be where I live, you could feel kind of an abnormal bounce or a slide. Um, so that's ways to identify pothole damage. And, you know, we all have that dreaded fear of when you're driving and you do hit one, you kind of know instantly, hmm. kind of saying, oh, no, <laughs> you know, that you know instantly that the damage is done. So they're kind of two two bits of advice that I would give. And then also the main, main one that I want to 
say today is just to report the pothole when you can. And if it's safe for you to do so, just get out, take a picture of the pothole and take a picture of the damage that it causes to your vehicle if it does cause damage. That's a big thing because a lot of people, I think, assume that someone else is going to do it or or they're just like, I'll do it another time. But the, if you don't report it, they they don't really, they have a gr- lesser chance of being fixed or repaired. So that's, that's the main advice that I'd be giving today is report it if you can. I know it's time consuming, but it will be worth it. Okay, and you mentioned there, Anna, your own experience. I mean, nighttime, I think, is, is bad enough as well with all the rain. You, you just see the water on the road maybe at night with the car lights, but you don't know what's underneath the water. I mean, were you cut out yourself recently uh, with pothole damage? Not with uh, my car. My colleague was, oh. now, but that was in Mead, so he burst two of his tyres just going oh. over a pothole. Now, I did have an issue on my bike with a pothole. Um, I, I ran into it again. It was full of water, thought it was a puddle and went out over the handlebars. So that's what oh. I mean when, you know, the survey is just not restricted to cars. It's your motorbike or your bikes as well that people are having issues with, you know, even cycle lanes. If if larger vehicles are, are parking or driving along cycle lanes, that's when the damage occurs or even roads around me. If larger vehicles are using smaller roads and not sticking to national routes, motorways, dual carriageways, that's when the issues, uh, that's when, you know, the main cause of, of potholes occurs and obviously we have the weather as well. Yeah, well, and you mentioned bikes here. Lucky you didn't get seriously injured as that, that could lead to a different Absolutely. story altogether. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, for the moment, Anna, thanks for joining us and good advice there as well on dealing with potholes. A lot of people have, have dealt with them over the last number of weeks. Anyhow, going on our calls this morning and uh, interesting to, to note that Cork, uh, one of the uh, second highest there when it comes to it across the country. Anna, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks a million. Anna Cullen there joining us from AAR. It's Cork Today. Until 1, Bernie taking your calls and comments 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 if there's something you want to comment on. We're discussing or indeed raise something on this morning's show. And shortly we're going to be discussing with the ICSA farming group why dog DNA samples should be taken from every dog in the country. This is to stop sheep attacks, uh, sheep attacks across the country. And it would seem, uh, going on the feedback we're getting in, in some areas and even outside of Cork, that there is an increase for some reason in sheep attacks. And the ICSA are calling not only for that, but for stricter regulations and for the enforcement of existing laws, which they feel just aren't being enforced. So we'll discuss that shortly on the programme, along with our Garda file before midday. Uh, but first of all, going back to our discussion there with AA Ireland before news at 11 uh, regarding potholes and the problems they are causing for many motorists right across the country. Laura uh, was on to us on 0818103103. She said, I had a lucky escape two nights ago. I went into a massive pothole, but I did not notice it because, as Anna said from AA earlier, this was foot of water. I thought it was just water on the road. Now, I was driving at dusk, says Laura, and I did damage my tyre, but thankfully I was able to get home. Now, I would not like to be stuck on a road on my own when it turns dark. Uh, So thankfully, when I got home, I was able to get home with the flat tyre. But not a nice experience at all, says Laura, uh, on to us on 0818103103. While uh, on the text on 0862103103, an ex-councilman says, bring back the man with the shovel to take the water 
of the road and this will be especially in regional and local and minor roads says an ex-councilman while Deirdre says last week I met a car at the other side of the road he swerved back but I understood why as there was a massive hole that's the only way I can describe it on the road but easily an accident could have happened with people avoiding potholes it could lead to a serious collision says Deirdre and then Martin has texted in from Formoy just staying with roads for the moment and this is something actually that is making uh, the Avondu paper as well this morning but and Martin Informoyes wants to know uh, what Bright Spark gave the go-ahead to put two big parking spaces for camper vans on the road near Formoy Aqua Club on the Rathili Road. Uh, these two parking spaces, uh, they're actually coming very near the central white line. And I'm thinking to myself, who gave this the go-ahead? Uh, that road is also very busy, says Martin Informoy. And in the Avenue this morning, they're talking about a vlogger who came to Formoy with a camper van was trying to park in the new parking spaces allocated for camper vans on Kevin Barry Hill and when he went along all those allocated spaces were taken up with 16 cars parked in the spaces where a camper van should be parked uh, and Martin is asking who then decided to put these place the parking for camper vans in place on, on the roadway on uh, Rathili Road um, now it was decided by local councillors I think that that would be trialled for a year or so um, and this was following the success of the summer trial on Kevin Barry Hill last year so I would presume, presume it's the local councillors would, would have decided this as well uh, but I presume Martin your thinking is that given there's been so many changes in all towns across the county when it comes to parking and many towns have seen areas closing at different points of the year to allow for a green area in their town centre or indeed other areas the, the laneways have changed maybe cycle lanes have been put in place and that has reduced parking and so I presume with these new uh, parking spaces for camper vans it is leading to less parking then uh, in the town but also if they're quite wide as Martin is saying I'm not sure it's causing problems on that road because that is a busy road anyhow we might look into that further and maybe even have a chat to that man who came to Formoy in his camper van went along to the designated parking uh, spots for camper vans and they were full of cars parked there and then Martin's view of who was coming up with the ideas on where they locate uh, these camper van parking spaces when parking obviously is tight enough in Formoy as it is uh, your views are welcome if we're in Formoy on uh, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and something we're discussing shortly on the programme and this is to do with sheep attacks and attacks on sheep from dogs which is unfortunately was a big issue a number of years ago uh, always was an issue but it seems to be on the increase again well Tim has texted in and says sheep farmers biggest worry is dog attacks at the end of the day it's the dog owners who are the problem as the sheep farmer I feel our county council don't have enough dog wardens to enforce the laws DNA testing of dogs is certainly a step in the right direction also major increase in the dog licence is needed perhaps 75 euro a year says Tim then this would enable more resources to be diverted to prevent attacks on sheep says Tim on text also uh, Mike saying it's great to hear a farming organisation taking and talking about attacks on sheep seriously we now need a good agricultural environmental scheme uh, for sheep farmers we are a low income sector and we need more support we are not being rewarded for our sustainable farming system by our current government feels Mike on text or WhatsApp 
WhatsApp 0862103103. We're discussing that issue very shortly. Your views are welcome. And I mentioned earlier regarding the driving test and we were looking for people to tell us their stories about the driving test. Did you pass first time, second time, third time? How did it go for you? Uh, new results coming out from the RSA and these are facts from the RSA, uh, which show that those people who did their driving test in January, February, the week after or on the June bank holiday weekend, and the same for the August bank holiday weekend, that they passed their driving test. And Chill Insurance dug into uh, the figures d- deeper uh, than what was issued, and they have found the same uh, in particular for the bank holiday weekends I mentioned. And I was mentioning myself the second time I did it in the city, which I thought I would not pass because it was uh, when I moved to the City first, I wasn't aware of different areas uh, where they do the tests in and around the Sarsfield Road and the lock areas. I do now, but I didn't at the time. And uh, I passed in the city, but I failed in Skibbereen, which would be an area I was very familiar with, being from West Cork. Uh, and it was there I failed. Now, it was a busy day in Skibbereen with an agricultural show, so that could have been uh, one of the reasons there was a lot going on on the streets that uh, put us, uh, anybody would be put off, I think. Uh, but because the city was unfamiliar, you automatically think, well, I, I'm not going to pass this. Because, but then maybe that's a good thing sometimes because you're, you're more cautious. Anyway, another story here on WhatsApp from a listener on WhatsApp from Kerry. So good morning to you. And this person says, I was listening there on my break about passing your driving test. Well, I did mine roughly 10 years ago and I had to do it twice. The first time I did it, I thought I was the bee's knees and got everything right, but I failed. Second time round, I had a test and I was doing my three-point turn. I stalled twice and I ended up being a five-point turn. So I stopped and I said, look here, I don't really do these turns in real life, I said to the tester. He asked, so what do you do? I said, well, as it happens, my boyfriend's granny lives in Clonmel and I always miss her turn off for the house. Now, there's a house just after the turn off that I'm meant to take. So I go up there, I go into their yard and turn around. They know me by now, as when I did it the first time, they absolutely came out and I explained what I was at. And they said, work away do this anytime. So now when I go up there once a month, I'd always give them a beep and a wave when I'm turning around in their yard. So that was that sorted. Then of course it came to the hill start. And yes, you guessed it, I could not do that either, says this person on WhatsApp. So the tester just said, well, I suppose you've got another get out of this situation as well. And I said, Yes, I do, since you asked. I went on to explain that if I see the hill ahead and it's fairly busy, I slow down and I go really slow up the hill. And by the time I get to the beyond the line, I'm at the top of the hill and that has worked for me so far. So we had a good old chat and it turned out that he was really nice. He gave me a pass and said it was because I knew what I can and can't do and that I don't take any chances. He said he's seen too many accidents and worse by people who chances. No, of course, I can do all of the above 10 years on. Thank you to that Kerry listener on WhatsApp to 0862103103 for sharing your story of passing your driving test and I'm not too sure when you did it, if it was one of those time frames that seemingly is lucky according to the stats anyway. January, February, June bank holiday weekend, the week after that and the same for the August bank holiday weekend but tell me your stories of your driving test how did it go for you 
did you pass first time uh, was it okay or did you go along the second time like a lot of us or maybe the third time and maybe did you pass on those lucky dates let us know uh, like that listener in Kerry on 086 103 103 text or whatsapp or you can always call Bernie on 0818 103 103 yesterday uh, there was was a lot of discussion on the programme after we spoke to the ASTI regarding teachers and what teachers wanted, a pay increase, but also uh, the different measures that teachers were looking for with regards to for secondary school teachers. Anyhow, the marking of the Leaving Cert exams and assessing their own students and why they didn't want to assess their own students. And many people agreed with the teachers it would be unfair, especially for those in small communities or in more rural areas where teachers will be then asked a number of questions if a student did not do well. Uh, a lot of people have been in touch uh, over the last 24 hours about our discussions. Here's two of those comments that we received. Uh, this is more so on why teachers are looking uh, for pay rises and they say it's to do with the line of inflation. They're looking for an average of about €6,000 extra a year. Uh, Seamus is a Mallow. He says, Hi JP, just to say teachers do work hard and they have a tough job, but so does everyone else. Nurses, doctors, Garda, the fire department and the list goes on and on. Care workers and more. And inflation is up for all people. No need to say any more. But at the end of the day, I do think they do work hard. But if one lot gets an increase, then everybody should get an increase. Uh, Joan saying similar to what Seamus is saying, but again is worried that if the public service get an increase, this will create a divide in our society between private and public workers. And Margaret is in Bantry. Now, Margaret says what has turned people off the teachers uh, this week is the issue of a pay rise uh, because some of the unions of the ASTI, in fairness, are not threatening this. But I know the INTU, uh, the primary school teachers union, they did mention this, that uh, they have threatened to go on strike. And Margaret says that will affect us all. That will affect parents. It affects uh, childcare issues. It affects those who cannot maybe, you know, are working in a, a different area than where their child goes to school and they, you know, they can't arrange childcare that's going to affect the education of the children and Margaret says that she is a pensioner and she can't go on strike but she will get no pay rise and she still has to pay for her heating her food and a lot more so she just thinks speaking of industrial action at the moment when there's a war and we have inflation going on is just wrong says Margaret in Bantry uh, to 0818 103 103 or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs with Monster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time part-time and professional courses succeeding together with MTU.ie and the corporate court in Ballyhay, they require waiting staff. Midweek availability is essential. Contact 063 21166. The Charnival Park Hotel, they require a swim teacher. You can email your CV to hr at charnivalparkhotel.com. And an accounting technician is wanted for abandon. Email your CV to info at lloydbowmaker.com. You'll find these details and more job opportunities. They're online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. And still comments coming in regarding the use of our regional airports. Mary is in Kenturk and she says airports are busier at the moment, hence the delays in Dublin. Uh, but she says people have saved their money over the past two years and now what they want to do is travel. Regional airports are way more convenient to, to use. Uh, Dublin Airport is too big and confusing, uh, says Mary in Kenturk. While John is in McCroom and his view on airports on a voice note he sent to us 
us on WhatsApp. If you wish to send the voice note, you can. And on the very tiny corner of your uh, phone is a microphone on the right hand of the corner on your WhatsApp app and you can record you uh, saying your comment rather than us calling it out. John has done that. Good morning, John. Yeah. Hi, JP. Um, I, yes, I think they should do something on Cork Airport, you know, um, you know, make it a little bit, you know, bigger or whatever. I know they've done a lot of work on the runway. Like I, I know people last week that flew over to England from Waterford. Um, you know, I'm from the west of Ireland now, and we had an airport in Galway that closed that down. And um, you know, you have Knock Airport, which is not too bad. And like you know, they should do something with, with Knock Airport as well, make it, you know, so people from the west of Ireland, you know, can fly. Uh, I can never flow from any airport, just bar Dublin, but um, it's just an idea. Uh, thank you. Bye. Well, it's a good idea to invest, I think, as you mentioned, John, in the likes of Ireland West and Cork Airport. And something at a point that Senator Jerry Bortimer made earlier as well was, even though here in Cork, we would all use Cork Airport and it's something people wish to use. I mean, the only reason people were saying they would they could not use Cork Airport if there was a long haul flight that they had to fly out of Dublin. I think the examples given were the likes of Dubai going on to Australia and indeed maybe going to the likes of the far east coast of or the far west coast of um, of America. Uh, but the main reason people wore is because they could not fly out of Cork. The only reason they had to go to Dublin was because the route was not in Cork. Uh, so because of that, people feel that, well, if they were able to fly out of Cork for more routes, then they would not have to travel to Dublin. Uh, so that's something that they might look at in Cork in relation to bringing more long-haul flights out of Cork. But I think investment is needed, uh, as John says there in McCroom, regarding uh, the fact that we have great airports like Knock for Ireland West and here in Cork and Shannon and if they are promoted more and utilised more uh, then we can have more people using those airports and I think everybody would agree even Mary in Cantork made the same point if there is a, a flight going to a destination and you have a choice of Dublin Airport or Cork Airport you will choose Cork Airport, of course, for the convenience. Uh, and, and that's the, the main point people are making this morning on the show. Our lines are open 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, DNA samples should be taken from every dog in the country so the owners can be traced to prevent further killing of sheep. Eddie Punch is General Secretary of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association and he joined me on the show this morning. Good morning to you, Eddie. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. Now, sheep attacks still all too common. And even though we, we, I suppose, in the last number of years didn't hear as much about sheep attacks, it would appear from calls to the show they're on the increase again. Do you feel the dog licensing laws are actually enforced? And should we look now, as you mentioned from your report in the ICSA, at looking at DNA testing for all dogs in the country? Yeah, there's a lot of frustration with farmers um, who have... Unfortunately, after a lot of years of information campaigns, we're still facing the horror of dogs attacking sheep. And there's a lot of frustration that um, the current licensing laws are not sufficient to make sure that this can be reduced, to encourage responsible dog ownership, and in the end, to ensure that where dogs attack sheep, farmers can be compensated properly for the huge losses that are involved. But of course, above all, this is an animal welfare issue. Uh, When dogs attack sheep, it's a truly horrendous situation. Not only the the, the sheep that are bitten and savaged and and killed essentially by dogs, 
But where you're in um, yoles, pregnant yoles, many of them afterwards will go on to have a miscarriage, as it were, because of the stress and trauma of being chased by dogs. So it's a really horrendous issue. And we think that with other animals now, we are increasingly moving towards uh, DNA samples and a database. Uh, and we think this is going to have to be, you know, this is the solu- this is the only solution we can see to an issue that has been going on for years. Has microchipping, uh, microchipping dogs, has that helped in any way? Uh, a little bit, but it's, it, there are problems with it. Uh, and we think that with other breeds now, you know, other species, we have DNA sampling going on. And it, it, it means that you can find the DNA of the dog, even if the dog has departed the scene, for example. Um, it also means that if you have any any trace of the dog a hair or, you know, such like, it, 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 it gives you the traceability. Sometimes dogs attack sheep, but when the farmer comes on the sheep, the dogs have gone. So the microchip is much used then at that stage. Uh, but there is also, of course, a question of enforcement. Uh, and we think there needs to be more resources put into this because uh, it is quite clear that the limited amount of dog wardens that are in the country don't have enough time, enough resources. Um, but, you know, this this is important, um, not just for the farming community, but to encourage more responsible dog ownership for all sorts of reasons across the, the, the community as well. And... We have now, I suppose, with digitalization and, and databases and technology now, this is a lot more feasible than it would have been even 10 years ago. And I think we have to, we, we just can't allow this to continue as is at the moment because of not only the appalling losses suffered by farmers, but the appalling animal welfare issue when sheep are, sheep are attacked by dogs. And you mentioned there regarding enforcement, Tim texted in earlier with the same point about enforcing the laws, but we don't have enough dog wardens. So that's where the investment will be needed. But also he made an interesting point about the dog license and should it be increased to perhaps 75 euro a year? Uh, but would that make any difference considering that there's a, a huge evasion as well with those people who don't purchase a dog license? Yeah, I'm not sure that increasing the dog license is you know, a solution. Um, The the, the issue, of course, is around some evasion and all of that. And we don't want it to become prohibitive to have a dog either. And we'd prefer if the money was put into, um, you know, getting the the, the animal's DNA sampled and and so on. Um, But but certainly, you know, look, a dog is for life and it it costs money to to have a dog and people need to realise that before they get into dog ownership. Um, and, and most people are responsible, but unfortunately some are not. And the problem is that, you know, dogs are let loose by day and people don't know where they are. And, you know, even what might seem like a grand quiet dog can turn into a killer when it gets involved with other dogs chasing sheep. And that's a good point you make there. And I think awareness you mentioned as well is needed in this because there was an advert on TV years ago that showed a family pet. But then one night he went roaming and as you mentioned, other dogs were involved and he ended up killing a number of sheep but then goes home again to be that family pet that has been rubbed and has been looked after. More awareness and more adverts like that maybe on radio and TV and in the papers and online, at least it would raise awareness of what is happening and people might wake up. I mean, those 
adverts are very much evident in parts of the UK still, especially in, in the Scottish borders and Scotland. And I know they have regional TV in those areas, so maybe it's easier to do it there. But still, something like this should be happening in this country. Yeah, absolutely. But in the end, um, you know, advertising can help. But there has to be a sense of responsibility and ultimately a sense of liability if your dogs attack sheep and do, you know, devastating damage. So it's ignorance in a way by the dog owners? Some, yeah, some, some, some owners. And, you know, look, I suppose in every in every element of society you have people who are very responsible and some people who are less responsible and this is an issue. But the problem is that the immense economic cost to farmers and the animal welfare issue, you know, if, if people who own dogs could see the mess that's left behind when there's an attack on sheep, maybe they think twice. It's truly horrendous. And it's not just, as I say, the, the animals that have been physically attacked. All the other sheep in the flock are traumatised as well, and that can cause knock-on and long-lasting, um, you know, health issues for the sheep. And very traumatic for farmers who have to go out and then see their animals left in this state after being attacked. Well, this is this is from the ICSA point of view. This is what we are concerned about. We we get these farmers from time to time, and it, it's really horrendous for them because there's a lifetime's work gone into building that flock of sheep up. And once you have this attack, um, it it really um, it really you know in the end it, it it's it's really a lifetime's work. That, you know, a setback to a lifetime's work. And I mentioned Scotland there earlier. They have done a lot in the last number of years looking at new legislation and amending their dog acts as well. I mean, is that something now here that we could, when we're speaking about the lack of enforcement and the lack of investment in dog wardens, could we look towards Scotland and maybe use what they are doing as some type of a template for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think we should learn from other countries. Um, As I say, we, we think that DNA technology is going to be a central part in helping to get more responsible dog ownership. But certainly there's no need to reinvent wheels and we should learn from other countries as well because we do it in, in, in other aspects of agriculture and other aspects of, I suppose, every regulation nowadays that we have. And we should we should certainly, there's no need to be reinventing the wheel when there's learnings from other countries. Yeah, true. Well, we'll wait and see what happens if they have or will go ahead with the DNA testing. It's something that has been mentioned many times, not only in sheep attacks, but also uh, for dealing with the dog dirt on our streets and and other issues to do with dogs. So we'll see if they actually do go ahead with this. For the moment, Eddie, uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Okay, thanks very much. Eddie Punch there, General Secretary of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. And would you agree with him the fact that we should have DNA testing for all dogs in this country? So if something like this happens, at least then there is a traceability of who the dog owner is. Your views are welcome. Dog DNA should be made compulsory on 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or file next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Work today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And it's time for this week's Garda File. I'm joined by Sergeant Tony Cronin from Mallow Garda Station. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. We'll start this week. You want to discuss about bogus traders in the area. Yes, John Paul. We're now getting into the say, good, fine weather, long evenings and 
it's the time of year where people will try to do uh, home improvements, etc., be it the guttering or painting outdoors, things like that. So people will call on houses now that the weather is fine and they'll be looking to uh, get work off of people. They'll try and agree sometimes a deal, you know, in advance, you know, if you give me 400, 300, whatever it is, and you can pay the balance afterwards. And people get sucked in by this um, false um, dealing, basically. So what we're encouraging the public to do is, if anyone calls to you and they're looking for work, take down their details, uh, look for their business card, take the details of the vehicle that they're travelling in. If they have a difficulty with any of that, you know exactly that there's an issue. And we would encourage you to contact your local Garda station because in the past we've had a lot of, especially elderly people, who have been conned by these people. Maybe people who've been living alone and uh, they don't have too many callers and they'd like to get jobs done and then they feel, yes, this is a way of getting it done and it doesn't sound too dear maybe to them. But a lot of the time, the work is never completed or it's never done at all and there's some money handed over. So what we want is the people who are living on their own or maybe slightly vulnerable or maybe just people in general that you would take the time to suss out these people, make a call on them, see are they uh, reputable and if not, do not go with them no matter how good the price seems. Yeah, and traders themselves, when we speak to them, when every time we discuss it here on the show, you know, a lot of them are busy at the moment and they're trying to find time to do their legit jobs. They don't have time to be calling around to people asking, do you need us to do X, Y, Z to your home? So when somebody is calling like that, it is, you know, the, the alert should be flashing in your head, really, shouldn't it? And I mean, if, if anybody you're asking isn't willing to give you the exact details or a phone number or a business card or a or website or a legit one at that, I mean, you know, there's, there's questions have to be asked then. Yes, and especially more so in that people can get sucked in by the, um, we'll say the false advertising mm. on the side of a, a Jeep or a van, you know, with um, a yeah. business name on it and a contact phone number, things like that, and people may think they're ripped But what we would encourage you is contact your local community guard, your local guard station, your neighbour, have someone that you can basically touch base with at home, be it a family, friend or a neighbour, and say, what do you think it is? I was offered uh, work here uh, and they quoted me will say whatever figure, what do you think of that? And these are the people that are saying they're going to do it. So always uh, double check first rather than rushing in and uh, paying people and then wondering afterwards when is the work going to be completed and you've money paid out. And just be careful, they do, as you mentioned, target vulnerable people and also those uh, who they seem to know who are living on their own and elderly in the area. So just to keep an eye out for that over the next number of months. Now you want to raise about a number of items that have been stolen, uh, starting with cigarettes. Yes, John Paul, uh, not in the Cork North Garda area as such, but in the boundary divisions, um, we'll say in Limerick, Tipperary, Waterford, etc. There has been quite a substantial amount of cigarettes that have been stolen. These will come on offer. And they'll be offered to people, you know what I mean, in towns and villages around the place for sale. If you have any information, the guardian, your local guard station will be delighted to get a call on who the people are, if you can describe them or the vehicle that they're travelling in. Uh, there's a lot of issues regarding these uh, cigarettes, be it, we'll say, the premises that are at a loss, their insurance is going through the roof um, because they may have a claim in. Um, it's getting harder and harder for businesses uh, to survive so we would encourage people to please come forward uh, if you see anything uh, suspicious in this nature you know large quantities of cigarettes being sold to people on the side of the street or in estates or out country road 
Um, it won't be done in a very, very public area, but uh, they will be offered for sale because people are not going to smoke these substantial amount of cigarettes themselves. So just ask the public to be vigilant. And if you see anything or you know where they're for sale, you might contact your local yard station, please. And also garden machinery being stolen. Yes, we had uh, a couple of burglaries in the last two or three months. And now we have the fine weather uh, coming out. We've had a lot of items in the past two or three months, which would be the likes of wheelbarrows, strimmers, lawnmowers, uh, hedgers, anything like that have been uh, taken. Now is the time of year where pe- people will start uh, out in the lawns, uh, cutting grass and we'll say digging different flower beds, etc. And people will come along and they'll have tools and they'll just be driving the country road or into an estate and say, offer an item for sale. And it might sound very good, but there is somebody losing out on your, what do you call it, fortune or misfortune. But you, you could be uh, found afterwards in possession of stolen property. So basically, please contact your local yard station if you, if you know of anyone who's travelling around and offering items, be it cigarettes, uh, anything that you would think to be stolen goods at a knockdown price. Unless they're legitimate business people, uh, we'd encourage you not to buy them and please contact your local yard station. Because if you did purchase, for example, a lawnmower and it was a knockdown price and someone came to your door offering you this lawnmower, it was then stolen and, and no, no one stolen a few weeks later, the guardie come to your door, they can take away that lawnmower, can't they, and give it back to the owner? Yes. Yeah. And you've paid, for I, example, 200 euros for it and that's gone. Exactly, yeah. your money is gone, that's it, and you're, you've been found in possession of a, a stolen item. You know, so and could you be charged? Well, I suppose you couldn't. Could you, or would you be charged for that? Well, it it would depend on what way the course of um, the file w- would go. You know, every case is different, but um, it would be wrong to to pass comment on an individual case. Yeah. Basically, what we're trying to warn the people is that, like, you are actually handling stolen property if if it's found that and can be proven that a stolen item has been sold to you and, and you're in possession of it. So just be very careful what you're buying and who you're buying it from. Have you got a receipt? Um, can you see the the number, um, we'll say the model number, the chassis number, whatever it is on the particular item? And are they giving you a receipt for it accordingly? Okay, so beware of that. Now, uh, for motorists and indeed pedestrians, advice for those uh, to slow down on the road and also for walkers to be wearing high-vis vests. Yes. Uh, John Paul, uh, what we're talking about here really is up until the 13th of April this year from the 1st of January, we had 50 fatalities on the roads in Ireland. And that's almost double from the same period in 2021. Now, I know COVID was possibly an issue, whatever it is, but there were still motorists on uh, the road. There were still pedestrians and cyclists. So what we're just trying to encourage people is when you're out on the road, now the evening's getting brighter, uh, whether you're out in the morning, afternoon, nighttime, wear a high vis. Be seen. It's a bit like driving your car with your lights on. You're a lot more visible in daytime and people take more uh, notice of you on the road and your position on the road. And for motorists, just be mindful of obstructions on the road where things happen in front of you, be it a car breaking down or a car pulling in, maybe someone didn't indicate. Just keep a safe distance back. That's basically the message we're trying to imply. Just be safer on the road if possible. Yeah, I suppose a lot of people are rushing these days on roadways and, and it's causing for uh, an increase in accidents and something else we spoke about earlier was potholes and people swerving at them as well. Yeah. So just to take a, an eye out for everything on the roads and something we have touched on is to do with driving licences and passports on the programme and people are trying to apply for them and delays with them. Uh, but you're asking to, to keep a check just in case your driving licence or indeed a passport has expired. 
Yes. Last year, people, uh, for different reasons through COVID, maybe got an extension of 12 months they'd apply and they got whatever uh, period uh, for the driving licence. Whereas now things have opened up, people are going on holidays, they're going abroad. And just to, to make sure your passport is in date, but what might slip your mind is the driving licence. And if you're going abroad and you're renting a car, and if your licence isn't in date, chances are you won't be able to rent a car. So just be sure of that before you go. Uh, if you're booking a holiday for June, make sure in the start of May that you check your passport and your licence and to have those in date rather than leaving it till the last minute. And just on the driving licence, Tony, if there was an issue, like you mentioned, a lot of people did get extensions and some are forgetting and it's only now when they go to look at the driving licence they realise, oh, it's out of date for the last month and, you know, I totally forgot about it. In that instance, while you're waiting to get your driving licence renewed, uh, what is the situation if you are stopped on the road, you just you show your licence, but it's out of date for a month or two? I mean, could, could you be prosecuted for that? Well, well, there is a technical issue that you're not the holder of a licence, but it would be treated very generally very favourably once people are trying to make an effort and they can show that it's an issue with a backlog of uh, appointments with uh, DNDLS or uh, the equivalent to get a licence or a passport things like that do you know what I mean yeah and most guardians will know the person that is genuine anyhow that genuinely did you know forget to renew the licence if it was a genuine case and they're waiting on a new one well every case is taken on its merit yeah yeah. Um, we'll say some people might be without it for a month others might be without it for 12 months so you have to treat each case individually rather than giving a, um, a global kind of expression to cover the subject totally yeah totally okay uh, Tony well good advice there on those and thanks for joining us this morning on the programme thank you John Paul thank you that is Sergeant Tony Cronin there joining us from Mallow Garda Station we're with you until one with Cork Today your views are welcome 0818103103 and we were discussing earlier regarding sheep and sheep attacks on the increase why the ICSA are looking for a DNA database across the country now so that dogs which do unfortunately kill sheep will be traced back to the owners Eddie Punch joins us he's General Secretary of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association on this a lot of people are reacting first of all Michael uh, says Hi JP the idea of a DNA database for dogs is a fantastic one to help with sheep attacks but also for solving dog falling which is everywhere it will have a great benefit I think says Michael on WhatsApp while Ross says keeping llamas with sheep can ward warn off dogs uh, wasn't aware of that uh, thank you Ross so llamas with sheep can scare the dogs away and on awareness then Judy says my sister lives in the Scottish border area and on TV most nights in the last while they have adverts showing the consequences of a dog attack on sheep I think awareness is also key yes the DNA database is fantastic it will have a multiple benefit for society in the way that dog owners deal with their dogs but also awareness is key and I think those adverts you mentioned during that interview should be shown again here in Ireland says Judy while Jessica is saying a lot of this again goes down to dog owners how many times do we see dogs left wandering around their uh, streets or indeed I see on on Facebook uh, people who are missing dogs yes dogs can go away and that can happen and there's a genuine case but most of the time it's due to human error yes humans who have dogs and just completely ignore them Uh, they have the dog out in their back garden and they don't even look to see if the dog is going to run out the gate which is open and run away way or vice versa if they're in a different housing situation so Jessica says I think we can do what we want
want and where we want to bring in DNA for dogs but it's the owners we need to tackle awareness is key uh, dog owners are the ignorant ones in this situation uh, they have no respect for dogs uh, says Jessica on text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Jessica really putting the blame there on dog owners uh, which I suppose it is because the, the dogs will do what a dog will do uh, but the dog the owner of the dog who will really have to take responsibility and where the dog should be at a given hour of the day because if you own a dog you have to take responsibility for the dog anyhow speaking of dogs uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket she'll join us after 12.30 if you have a pet question for a pet in your household for Jane get that into us right now uh, so we can pass them on to Jane you can call Bernie 0818103103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and coming up we'll be hearing and uh, speaking with Noel Buckley from the Mill Street Community Council on the Ukrainian refugees who have arrived in Mill Street at the arena there yesterday evening uh, what the accommodation is like there for them uh, and I suppose how long can they remain there and are they settling in uh, plus indeed we will be going along with more calls and comments to the programme on different issues Cork today until 1JP with you in for Patricia until 1 Bernie taking your views on 0818 by phone you can text or WhatsApp 0862 same number if you have a pet question for for our vet Jane Pickett who will be joining us after 12.30 of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket if you have a question for Jane get those into us and we'll ask Jane on your behalf after 12.30 but a lot of calls and comments still coming into us regarding uh, the issue of dogs attacking sheep and the dog DNA samples that the ICSA feels should be taken from every dog in the country to stop sheep attacks but on that uh, more comments and this from Nora who says John Paul I think that's a joke and I first of all really feel for any of the farmers that lose uh, their sheep to dog attacks the owners of them dogs should be held responsible for their animals but what about have house pets that are not straying anywhere and they're only staying around the perimeter of their home and are under supervision all of the time by their owners surely uh, those owners don't have to give DNA for their pets when they don't stray anywhere across their farm they would stay within the owner's home. But not all dogs also are killers. So why are all dogs being painted with the same brush? As I have got dogs myself for years and all my dogs are classed as house pets and I know where they are every day and every night. All they do here is eat, sleep and play. And Nora continues to say, I feel very strongly uh, that not all dogs and indeed that not all dog owners should be painted with the same brush because the gentleman you had on was calling for a countrywide DNA sampling and that was any punch from the ICSA uh, but Nora making the point that there's a lot of parts of this country that don't have sheep so why then would dogs in that area have to uh, have DNA sampling from them uh, but again making the point she does feel uh, for those sheep farmers who do lose uh, sheep and indeed lambs to dog attacks so thank you Nora for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and on the issue of teachers which we discussed yesterday with the ASTI and just some comments that came in yesterday afternoon we got to and here's another one on the back of those comments that I read out earlier uh, saying Hi John Paul I work long hard hours and I won't get a pension or anything else I'm 63 years of age and I'm happy to be able to work now there's a war in Ukraine people's lives are shattered everything is gone and here we are looking for more and more we have no shame 
whatsoever. We have more than enough. So shame on all of us uh, who are looking for pay increases. The teachers, uh, this texture is saying, are becoming a very greedy bunch, but shame indeed on those within the public service who are calling for more money. We should be grateful to be, uh, first of all, grateful just to what we have. We'd be happy to be living in a war-free zone, uh, says that texter on 0862-103-103. We'll get back to more comments across the morning. I just mentioned war-free zone there. Well, Ukrainian refugees have arrived at the Mill Street Arena yesterday evening. They are fleeing war in Ukraine. Noel Buckley is from Mill Street Community Council and he joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Noel. Good afternoon, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, we have seen pictures uh, last night online of Ukrainian refugees arriving into the Mill Street area and then into the Green Glens Arena. First of all, how are they all settling in? very well this morning and like, as you say that came last night the first uh, bus load came at 9 o'clock and the uh, second bus load did not come until uh, half 11 but I, I think about 70 in all arrived in this place last night there were mainly women and children and there were just a few uh, a few uh, men but uh, there were some very young children there there was even a baby there etc and, I mean, for them, it's a big ordeal. They have fled their own country, you know, gone across borders and now are being brought to various countries across Europe, Ireland, one of them. Uh, what were their initial feelings when they were brought in and seeing uh, the accommodation, first of all? Well, well uh, they, first of all, uh, John Paul, they seem to be a very nice people. And considering what they have already gone through, they were, in, uh, they were, they were in, uh, smiling and uh, quite happy to have arrived in Mystery. Very happy, I suppose, once they to have arrived in Mystery. Uh, we, the accommodation that was there before them, they seem to be uh, taken very much with it because they, they're all single units and they're containing either a two bed or three bed or four bed, depends on the size of the family. There's a little kitchen area, or dining area off, off the, the bedrooms. And the uh, the, 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 the main... Area for the dinners, etc. Is the, the the main hall, which has been used for the shows and the events down through the down through the years. And there's a professional catering company in there doing the meals for them. And you mentioned there their accommodation. These units were they already there, or are they being built over no, the last number no, of they, days? They, they were all brought in over the last, I suppose, six weeks. Specifically for they're this all, reason, they're they're assembled then in they're assembled down in the arena. And they were for this, for the refugees? They're for, for the refugees, yes. The, the, the whole arena as such is covered, the shows used to be held, and etc. That's all covered, and it's all capital. Yeah, and and then obviously these were, were put together uh, within the arena in, in blocks to, to create the units. How many units overall did you say again? Is it over 100? Oh, there would be, yeah. You know, there would be. I mean, some of them are just being are only being got ready yet because you know we don't know when the, when the, when the next. And uh, then the the scheme coming. that this is operating under, I presume, is paid for by the government. The government would would pay for all the building of these oh, yeah, houses well, and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the department would pay. Yes, but of course it would it would mean that the events that were done will be held in the green zone cannot be held this year again. I mean, the last last few years when it comes to the COVID, but they will be off again this year now. Like and and that is due to the fact that refugees are there. You're saying the shows will be off this year, is it? The shows will be off at the moment, yeah. and the daily show will be off. I think in October, and there was there, there was the uh, self build. Usually happens in May. That that has been that's gone by the way already. Yeah. 
And the facilities then you mentioned there within the, their own living areas, they have uh, their bedrooms, they have a, a small living area and, and a kitchen. And in that yeah. kitchen, I mean, I presume if there's caterers, there's no cookers or anything in those kitchens. They have a kettle, I presume, or something like that, they but they wouldn't have cooking facilities. They can buy a kettle, I mean, they can plug in, but they can buy a kettle, but there are no cookers, no. And then, if they choose to eat, they go into the, the living area. Then, and, and where where they can go in the living area, I presume in their own area, but they can go to the bigger hall as well, where the catering right. facilities are. What about yeah, toilet and showering facilities, Noel? Well, they are they are outside of the units, of course. I mean, there are there are uh, there are number of them there. there are, when I say there are number of them, there must be thirty or forty shows there altogether, and there big large number of toilets, men's and ladies and gents. I mean, those the last toilets have been there down through the years. They 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 are extra put in from from the Ukrainians. And you know, so they're they're, they're communal I, I, facilities. Yeah, communal facilities as such. Yeah, I know that's the one drawback. We see the course, but the the place the place itself. I mean, their their sleeping area, their dining area as such is uh, very comfortable. I mean, the, the, there's overhead heating. There was great heat there last night. This was very warm. And I'm sure they're very happy, Noel, considering what they've pledged to be in this situation where they're safe. They're, they are, of course, they are. I mean, no, nobody wants to leave their own country into the fact that they, they have to uh, leave it because of a, a, a maniac, a, a despot like Putin. Yes, the end of power has destroyed, destroyed Ukraine, destroyed the lives of all these people and all the their, their members of their families, murdered and etc. Children, women, men of course out fighting. Yeah, because a lot of, as you mentioned there, the majority who have arrived there are children and, and women. Yeah. Uh, a majority of their partners or friends or family the men are at home and they are continuing to fight so they have that worry in their heads of their loved ones who do remain in Ukraine Absolutely that is true we had, we had in the midst of the whole thing last night we had a birthday party we found that it was a three year old's birthday so we came to go to Marabok and when he told me we went up to and they got a cake and three three candles so he yeah, she blew out, blew out the candles, so we had a little bit of a sing song for her birthday. So she celebrated her third birthday in Green Dungeon Mystery. Oh. You know, well, I'm sure they were delighted at that. The the fact that you made the effort of getting the cake and that they could celebrate that last night, because you know a few a few days ago they weren't too sure what would be happening. I'm sure for that young girl's birthday. When it comes to the likes of washing clothes, in I mean, are those facilities there within the units, or is there a general place that they that they go to I, wash clothes I, and that I, kind of thing? There's a general place they can go to wash, wash clothes. Yeah. And then just to confirm, because we've got a few calls in on this, uh, there's been pictures in papers and indeed on social media this morning on a number of tents that are outside the Green Glens Arena. That's got nothing to do with the refugees. It's it's a separate issue totally, is it? That, that particular picture should never have appeared in the paper because it has nothing at all whatsoever to do with the Ukrainians. Those tents are there with the last three or four years. They're quite a stable place for, for big events. They had nothing to do with it. They had nothing whatsoever to do with the uh, Ukraine.
So they, they've been there for, for a good number of years already uh, and locals will be aware of that. And speaking of locals being aware, I mean, Mill Street Noel is no stranger to refugees with Trishan over the years and we have seen how the community of Mill Street has come together and welcomed at the time those refugees and brought them into their community. And likewise, we had nearby McCroom doing similar over the years with Syrian refugees. And I suppose the question now will be, will there be school places for those who are going to remain in the Green Glens Arena and will there be job prospects for those? First of all, I find the schools at the moment, and you know, we can cater for what's, what's there at, at the moment, but, but so we, we don't know how, how many more young people, etc., are going to come, but they will do everything possible, and you know, we, we, we know to accommodate them in the community school and the, 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 the boys' national school, the girls' national school. They, are, they, they have places available at the moment, and they, they will fit them all in if, if at all possible. And you mentioned there just about refugees coming. Are more going to come into Mill Street? Well, there are only seven billion. There's supposed to be 300, or 300 coming out together. And do you know when the timeline is or is it going to be last they, minute? We, they don't know or we haven't been told. The, the, the uh, Green Gens, the Thomas Duggan, and also they don't know either. And I mean, we didn't know they were coming, uh, the girls were coming that came last night. They were coming until yesterday morning. That's the first time we were told about it. So that's where the, the, the department seems to be working. We're not, we're not quite sure when the next group they could be coming next week. They might be coming mm. even this week, for all we know. So it could be very last minute uh, yeah, of when they arrive. Just informed in the last minute, yeah. Okay, and you mentioned the schools there. Also, just mentioning job prospects. I mean, there is a lot of uh, employers in the area of Duhallow and in Mill Street as well. I mean, are they happy to take on workers? Well, I've sent down application forms already. They sent them down this morning. Uh, ABS have been looking for workers for, for some time while workers are scarce they're uh, abstract and uh, most of the general are looking for workers as well and there are other businesses around I mean it seems to be a good time for the the, the only I suppose problem with the Ukrainians is the language barrier I mean they, they could work in the hotel but the, the language barrier would be a problem there were two down there now today that we were speaking to one of them was uh, was a doctor, and her daughter was with her, and she had been four four years training as a dental surgeon, you know. And they were they were uh, offering to do any work that they, they could find. They wouldn't they said they wouldn't have any problems uh, going up to uh, to else, to, you know. Well, that's, I mean, they, they are willing to work and get involved so, in the community, which is fantastic. Do you know then how long, for example, those that arrived last night, how long they will remain there? I mean, if the units are livable, do you know how long they could be there for? We have no idea, Jumba. We have no idea. No idea. I suppose it, it depends on the war. It depends on non-Putin. And the government are saying that these the, these facilities, though, that they're, they're calling them emergency accommodation facilities until they find uh, accommodation for them, which will be tough because, as you know yourself, no accommodation for anybody is, is tough enough to find these days. So uh, this could be a long term for, for well, this, the Green Glens. Well, this, this could be a long term. It's fine to say that until they will find accommodation. I mean, we know we have a, we have a housing crisis before the, uh, the Ukrainians ever came. And it's not going to be that easily sorted. I know there were a lot of uh, offers of accommodation in house and things down, and a lot of them have not come to fruition. You know, it's not going to be easy to find accommodation for all of them. But quite sure the government and the people will will do the best they can. Okay, and we've a lot of offers in from people who want to know if they can take anything to the centre if if they're in need of, you know, nursery items or buggies or anything. Is their collections being arranged or are, are they okay for supplies? 
which is, at the moment is being uh, arranged to IRD. So IRD do hollow. So for those IRD, who are texting IRD, us in, IRD do hollow, yeah. And you contact them, and they will they, they will be the ones who will arrange Absolutely. all the items. They, they, they bought some ties and clothes and things like that in that today. Okay, so hello to Louise, by the way, he's on text, who is willing to uh, drop off buggies and nursery stuff. So it's IRD to Hallow is, is the ones who are looking after that. And we'll, we'll give out numbers for them later for people who That's wish what? to uh, contact them to arrange uh, drop off points uh, for those in the Green Glens. For the moment, Noel, uh, we wish you the very best. Uh, thanks for joining us. I know you've had a busy day, so thanks for joining us this afternoon. Hello. And uh, the community I know in Mill Street already have tweets in from people, which I'll announce very shortly. They are getting together and fundraising and indeed helping the those. So we wish everybody there the very best of luck. Okay, we'll stay in touch. That is uh, Noel Buckley there uh, from Mill Street Community Council who is uh, joining us live from the Green Glens Arena in Mill Street as those UK re- Ukrainian refugees are now uh, settling into their new homes there within uh, the Green Glens. Something, if you said that to them three months ago or last year, that she would be now living in the Green Glens in Mill Street. No, we would have, no one, we wouldn't have believed uh, ourselves, never mind those in Ukraine. But that is the way things have um, panned out over the last few weeks, unfortunately, for those uh, who are now are fleeing war in Ukraine. And thank you to Jennifer on Twitter too, at C103 Cork, who wants us to mention Mill Street Fire Service. They are presenting a car wash for you. Ukraine that is going ahead this coming Saturday from 12 noon to 3pm at the Mill Street Fire Station that is on Station Road in Mill Street if you have a car it's 8 euros a jeep 10 euros and all funds raised will be going to the Red Cross Ukraine crisis appeal uh, thank you, Jennifer, uh, for that on Twitter to at C103 Cork. Your questions are ready for um, Jane, Jane Pickett of the Ellenwood Veterinary uh, Hospital in Newmarket. She's along very shortly answering all your pet questions. If you have a pet question for Jane, you can get that into us right now on 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Premier League Live, it's back this Saturday on C103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by Talk Sport. We'll bring you live coverage of Arsenal taking on Manchester United at 12.30, Norwich City taking on Newcastle United at 3pm and at 5.30 it's Brentford taking on Spurs. The Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie Kildallery Community Development they will hold their weekly lotto draw on tonight or this afternoon at 4 o'clock in the local community office a jackpot is 3,100 euros Sandra McShane will perform a fundraising gig in aid of an orphanage for street children in Uganda that's going ahead this evening at the Spalpin Fornock in South Main Street in the city centre and bingo in Mallow GAA complex that's going ahead tomorrow Friday at 8.30pm the jackpot there is 2 2,650 euros and Balneen and Inneskeen Ladies Club they're hosting a fashion show that's on tomorrow evening Friday in the Bida Hall in Balneen at 8 o'clock and one of the guests there will be Olympian Phil Healy also back to tonight and Bingo is going ahead in Bandon GAA Club that's on tonight at 9 o'clock and to Sunday where Do Hallow Vintage will hold a run uh, that's on 12 noon on Sunday from Castle 
Castletown Roach Community Centre. It's an age of the Children's Unit in the Mercy Hospital. And Bands and Vintage Club, they're going to hold a car, tractor and motorbike display. That's at the Bands and GEA grounds this coming Sunday from 10.30am to 1.30pm. It's followed by a picnic run and it's all in age of cancer care at the Mercy University Hospital. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Earlier in the programme we were discussing the camper van situation in Formoy whereby, first of all, and a story from the Avenue, which we will get to in, in more detail later, uh, is to do with a vlogger who was in Formoy and he went along to park in the new uh, camper spaces for camper vans but unfortunately was taken over by 16 cars so they could not park and then people are asking why they moved uh, the camper van spaces uh, and it's causing I suppose upset to some people when they see those spaces being arranged for camper vans and other uh, parking spaces in the town then being eroded well one texter here says how can you sleep in a camper van on the side of a busy road get the camper vans off the street and put them in a designated field like a caravan park or something like this on the side of the road that's not on it's not common sense is it <laughs> you're right there it is unusual to have a camper vans on the side of the road but I suppose if they get caught out or something I'm not too sure usually it's always in a, a, a designated a car park or, or a field or something like that anyhow we will go back to that uh, discussion on the camper van parking spaces in the town of Fermoy and also on a driving test and thank you to, to everybody who was in touch with us across the morning telling you, us your stories on you passing your driving test and a lot of people are uh, saying the results and the survey and uh, the facts I suppose really from the Road Safety Authority and Chill Insurance is correct because uh, they're saying if you do your driving test in February in January or indeed in the week after the June or August bank holiday weekend you have a better chance of passing and the majority of people who have been on to us across the morning telling us their stories have said yeah I all or they all have a pass on those dates and hi to Bertie who said I passed my driving test first time fair play Bertie well done and I passed it on the August bank holiday weekend so well done to you Bertie first time fair play to you uh, thank you for those your pet questions are welcome and Bernie takes those now on 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862103103 Jane joining us shortly but just one thing that we got earlier on the show from Mary and Anne who were on to us by whatsapp but they were looking to see where they could get dairy-free chocolate and a lot of people have been in touch they're in the Mallow area so any health shop in the Mallow area uh, will be stocking those also on the health sections and some people have said uh, the bigger supermarkets in the gluten free section next to that they usually have a section for dairy free chocolate so check that out and somebody else has said that uh, they have a shop which is suitable for uh, vegans and they have they stock a lot of houseplant food uh, but you haven't told us the name of your shop so maybe WhatsApp back with the name of your shop and we'll give you a mention and thank you for your WhatsApp hopefully that helps out Mary and Anne looking uh, for that chocolate uh, the dairy free chocolate uh, in their area of Mallow. Thank you for your WhatsApp. Uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. She'll join us next. Your pet questions are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you today after Easter? I'm good, thank you. It's a beautiful day, so I can't complain. Yeah. Easter was good and there was not a lot of chocolate eating oh. presented to our practice, which is 
always good. I think the message <laughs> is getting through. So that's brilliant. That's a good sign. So the, the less chocolate this year. Uh, so we, yeah. we, we have a lot of questions in and one of them is to do with chocolate. We'll get to that in a while. But first of all, Joe has been on to us, Jane, and he has a new puppy, five months old, and he wants to know any tricks for toilet training. Now, he tears up the puppy pads. They could take him out and he will go to the toilet. But then when they take him out, he usually comes back in and goes to the toilet again when he's brought back inside the house. So any tips? Okay. So I think you're definitely on the right road. Taking them outside to try and do their business is probably the way forward. Puppy pads can be really helpful in some circumstances, particularly when you have puppies on the younger side of things that maybe, let's say, can't hold their peas and poos overnight. And that gives them an opportunity to kind of relieve themselves without creating a mess. But some puppies can get into the habit of kind of shredding them up, kind of digging a big hole and then ripping them apart. And they they're great fun. If that is the case, I would normally say you're at the stage where I would stop using the puppy pads um, because obviously if they're ripping them up and eating bits of them, it can cause upset tummies and even in some cases where they're quite plasticky ones, blockages. So I think it might be safest at this stage to dispense with the puppy pads in your particular case and focus on getting your pet outside to do their peas and poos. So it sounds like you're doing the right thing, taking them out, trying to get them to do their business outside. The main thing is just lots of positive reinforcement. So when they do their peas and poos, give them a you know a lovely, lots of kind of vocal encouragement. They're the best boy or best girl ever. Um, a little bit of play afterwards so that they know they've done the right thing. And sometimes I think a little bit of a treat after they do their business can be a really helpful thing. So just a small little morsel of something super tasty, like a, a let's say a little bit of roast chicken, something high value treat so that they know that if they do their business in the right place, they get a really extra special treat and lots of lots of cuddles and reward. When they pop back inside afterwards, if you're finding that they're also doing a pee or a poo inside, it may be that all of the activity of being outside running around has really activated their bowels and they may have kind of done their initial pee and poo outside and then might need to go again. I would try and maybe stay out with your pet a little bit longer after they do their first little peer poo just to make sure that they've really kind of you know clear themselves out everything's done and dusted but also it's a helpful thing if you can give your pet let's say five ten minutes of play after they do their business outside before coming back inside because some of them will almost hold off on doing their peas and poos for as long as possible because they almost think that well if I if I toilet now I'll get taken inside and the fun will end and a lot of the time I know if it's if you know it's pouring rain and you want to get back inside that's understandable but if you can kind of just make that puppy not associate let's say doing their business with having to go back inside so the fun is not ending that could be a helpful thing too i think perseverance it sounds like you're doing lots of the right things it really is just patience the more time you can help your puppy to get it right the more solidify that good behavior of doing their business outside will get quicker so take them out way more than you think they need to peer poo to give them every opportunity to get it right and less opportunities to get it wrong and if they do get it wrong there's no kind of place for, let's say, punishing them or shouting or anything like that. That puppy won't associate that with not doing their business inside. And it can actually make them become quite secretive with it. So I think really it's just best to, if they do their business inside and have an accident, which is quite normal during this process, it's best to just ignore it and focus on trying to help the puppy get it right the next okay. time. But I'm sure you'll get there. Hopefully you will. That's a good advice there for Joe. And Tess wants to know, why does her male cat keeps getting urine infections any reason why this could be 
ah, okay, so if he keeps getting urine infections, it could be that he might have a predisposing thumb. So some cats can just be really unlucky, get quite an unhappy bladder and sometimes an infection. Uh, but sometimes it can be that they might have either crystals in their urine. So almost kind of, well, very much, they look like little diamonds essentially, but microscopic. They can form into little stones and sometimes they'll bop around inside in the bladder. And because they're, a, let's say, an extra little kind of stone inside there, they can predispose the bladder to getting secondary infections. Sometimes um, with cats, it can be dietary dependent, um, but that's something that your vet will be able to tell from a urine sample and maybe some further tests. So that's one reason it could happen. Another reason it could happen is that it may be more of an inflammation of the bladder. So we know that there's a certain proportion of cats that can get what's called feline lower urinary tract disease. And it's more stress related than anything else, but it can present very, very similar to having a, a little bladder infection. So I think the best thing to do in this situation, if you keep noticing that it's happening, bring them along to your vet. It may be worth doing a urine sample. So if you can ask your vet, there's lots of ways that you can do this. It's not as simple with dogs where we can just catch a little bit of urine. Um, Generally with cats, we would recommend using a, a little product instead of their litter. So it's almost like silicon beads that you'll be able to get from your vet um, and you can collect a little clean sample that way. Or sometimes in some cases we can collect a little sample under ultrasound guidance, but your vet will know best what's suitable for your case. But doing a little bit of further digging to see, well, is there any reason that he seems to be presenting with what looks like a urinary infection? It may help you to take steps along with your vet to guard against it in future or to kind of help to reduce the episodes in frequency so it's really important to to take note and maybe take some action okay hopefully that helps you there Tessa and hi Jane my name is Coco I'm 11 years old and we have a rescue dog for the last two and a half years he is an English pointer he is a healthy dog and I wash him regularly but he sheds a lot of his coat is this normal is Coco asking it can be. Um, so Coco might be shedding quite a lot of fur just with the changes of season. Natural coat turnover or molting is quite normal. And uh, what I will say is there are some conditions that can cause kind of excessive molting and almost balding. That might be if your pet is itchy. They're kind of itching the hair out. Um, some hormonal conditions can cause balding. But it would be, let's say, from certain specific patches and you might be able to see the skin through the hair or hair thinning. And that would signal that it may be something abnormal. But it does sound that if your pet is otherwise well in himself, if Coco is not itching or scratching, you can't see any hair thinning or bald patches. And it's just you're seeming to see a little bit more fur than you were expecting coming off. It may just be normal molting. But if you do have concerns that it might be something more sinister, pop along to your vet. They'll always be able to examine the skin and let you know if that's a normal Kind of level of hair coat for that pet or not but every breed is different every dog is different as well but certainly molting is a normal part of of their physiology okay hopefully that helps you there guys and olive is in douglas uh, can you ask jane uh, olive has a six month old purebred male maltese now what is the right age to get him neutered now <laughs> is the answer <laughs> um so if he's six months of age I would say for a small breed dog like him, he would be mature enough at the age of kind of six, eight, ten months 
to undergo castration. Now, castration is really, really good. I suppose it helps prevent, let's say, your dog traveling to find the ladies uh, a little bit less. So that's good. Um, it also reduces the risk of diseases later in life, such as prostate disease, and it eliminates the risk of testicular cancer because during castration, the testes are removed. So health-wise, it is a good thing to do, and it also tends to stop them roaming. It can kind of limit some behaviors like humping and things that we see as well, but it is important that if you, I suppose, to get the maximum benefit for your pet, I would suggest doing it earlier rather than later because a lot of, let's say, the kind of teenage boy behaviors that might develop, um, let's say, like humping or looking for the ladies and things like that, they can be learned. So if they have already started, castration won't help to reduce those because some of them are behaviors that are learned. So I would say six, eight, ten months, any time around now would be good. The one caveat to that is, if your dog is particularly fearful or nervous, it would be worth having a chat with your vet first because we do know it can have some behavioral implications. Most of them are good, but in particularly fearful dogs, we may need to delay a little bit. So have a chat with your vet if that's a concern for you. OK, and very finally, as you mentioned, chocolate at the start. This is from Ian and Dungourney. Uh, he says, hi, Jane. Our children gave chocolate to the pet dog, our Jack Russell, over Easter. He was a bit sick after this, but now it's like he has something stuck in his throat. We're thinking of taking him to our vet anyhow, just to be safer. But any advice ahead of that? Okay, so I think if a few days have passed since the chocolate was eaten, now I'm not certain if it was a little or a lot, that could change things, um, then it's unlikely that, let's say, your vet will want to make your pet vomit because obviously the chocolate will most likely have passed through the system at this stage. It could be that, you know, he may have eaten something else around the time of Easter. A lot of kind of crackly wrappers or plastic toys come along with with um kind of easter eggs so it would be worth if you are noticing kind of a coughing choking sound and he seems in any way unwell in himself it would be worth a visit to the vet just to double check and particularly given that he did did have a history of eating chocolate but i don't think the sound would be directly related to having the chocolate it may be something connected though okay hopefully that helps ian there in dungourney for the moment jane thank you for joining us and we'll chat to you next week Perfect, thank you. Take care. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. We spoke earlier about dogs' DNA and how dogs' should uh, DNA should be taken from them so that if there is an attack on sheep, as we discussed, you know who the owner is. Some people felt that was wrong because they have pets that never leave their home. Well, Mary in Buttevant says, if your dog is under control, there should be no objection to having DNA taken. If you have nothing to hide, there should be no problem with that. A number of people on to us about uh, homeowners parking in various towns. We'll get back to those on tomorrow's show but I know we spoke earlier with Noel Buckley from Mill Street Community Council and this was on uh, the Ukrainian refugees who now are in the Green Glens in Mill Street. A lot of people saying they will offer items to help them and it's IRD Duhalo are coordinating this. The number for IRD Duhalo if you do wish to help it's 029 That's IRD Duhalo on 029 my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced We'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am with Friday's Cork Today. Enjoy your afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.